0: Hour number two of Old School on a Tuesday. GP Austin Norman. Uh, 402-464-5685. Start a text line if you want to jump in. And you guys have been active and good, and we appreciate it. We'll get to all of your texts because really, we really we want to get through some of these pet peeves. Uh, things that you want changed, or things that you just refuse to not accept. Uh, Start Hamelin on video stream, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter live. Get to it, and we appreciate you guys for all of you your your additions to today's show. Uh, you know the Mercado, quality meats. Great dining at Bovina, and a great space down below for you to go and get the things that you need. Um, we're gonna go through it, but let's go to the Honda Lincoln Hotline. Let's bring in Husker Hall of Famer Jay Foreman. Jay Foreman, how the heck are you?
1: I'm doing all right, man. It's uh, you know different, different temperature than uh, up there in the MPLS, and so uh, you know it's, it's uh, good to see some uh, sun outside of here in Nebraska.
0: Yeah, I I didn't know what your schedule was going to be. I'm glad you let me know, um, G- George. Uh, G- 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 <laughs> I'm looking, reading the text line. These people are funny. Um, Jay, and here's the, we're, we're into pet peeves, right? The thing, oh, okay. the things yeah. that bother you in sports. Like we started with, if you were in a baseball jersey and you tuck it in, you know. How old yeah. can you? Uh, we were just asked on text. How old can you take? How old can you be and still take a baseball glove to a game? What's oh, the line?
1: Well, baseball, I think there's no there's no age limit because if you go to a major league baseball game, you'll see grandpas doing it, and that's just something that the way that they they uh, grew up doing. It's like one of those traditions. Those are actually pretty cool. I don't have a problem with that. Um, just because I think this the experience of trying to be lucky enough to, you know, catch a foul ball or catch a home run is a pretty – I've never done it, but I'm pretty sure it's a pretty cool experience. Um, so, you know, that that keeps – like, to me, this is just my opinion, it, it keeps the kid part of you in, into the game of baseball, no matter your age. Now, some of the other stuff where you have, you know, grown men rocking jerseys and stuff like that, you know, that that, that might have an age limit. But, again, you know, um, baseball, I think, is a different sport just because they they play by, like, their own set of rules and and, and regulations, and and they've kind of kept them that way for the most part. You know, you show a pitcher up, even though you can't hit him like when, uh, say, Bob Gibson or somebody like that was playing, but they will tighten you up inside. And uh, and then now these days they have pitchers that are ready to, you know, throw hands. So, yeah. you know, the traditions of baseball are a little bit long, longer lasting than, say, football. And, um, you know, just here's an example for football. A pet peeve of mine is you're in competition, but you're buddy-buddy with your with your competitor. You see that in NBA basketball, you see it in football. Um, you know, when you play those two types of sports, you know, there has to be a line drawn while you're playing. doesn't mean you're trying to hurt them, um, but you're trying to win and beat them. And you're trying to beat them as, as bad as, as possible. And so a pet peeve of mine is the – I call it the play date era of athletes where they're all getting together and it's like a play date versus, uh, you know, back when, uh, you know, teams that really separated themselves, they were playing for Keith.
0: All of that's good because uh, – and and shout out to, to the picture you shared. You and your dad today. That was pretty cool. Like I, I was like, all right, man, that, that made me feel good for you. <laughs> see, see your dad, you and your dad together. It – the rivalry part of it. We used do we use the 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 word rivalry in a wrong way? Define rivalry.
1: Uh, I mean, there's got to be a long history there, and the long history can't be one-sided. Um, I think it's drama-packed. I think there's got to be wins and losses to when somebody you know where both teams. You know, when, you know, something's on the line and one team wins and another you know another team wins, or you stop a team from reaching their ultimate goal and the games are tight and they're fierce and they're, you know, I guess, you know, if I compare it to a football, um, you know, football where, you know, it's extremely physical but it's, you know, competitive. You don't like the team, but you respect them. You don't like their fans, but you respect them. You don't like the university. You don't even like their colors or anybody from, you know, that state. You kind of look at them a little sideways, but you respect them. Um, that's a rivalry. And so you know, if you think about in the NFL, the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Baltimore Ravens, that's 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 a real rivalry right there. It doesn't matter what the records are, uh, what year it is, you know that that's a that's a long withstanding rivalry that's gonna go on until, you know, you know, a lot of those guys that have made it a rivalry, you know are no longer on this earth. Now, you know, back when I played, it was Oklahoma and Nebraska, you know, that's obviously you know, blue blood and going at it. and right now, we, you know, we don't. We might be. We might have rivals as far as like teams that we might think are rivalry, but we haven't won enough, or you know, been consistent enough to beat the Iowa and the Wisconsin and stuff to make it really something that where they are losing or they're worried about us. We got to win a couple more games to make it a rivalry, and it doesn't have to be even, steven as far as um, the wins and losses. So. You know, like I think what Iowa beat us, what, seven years in a row? And so just say for the next two or three years and we went out of, two, you know, two two of the last three, well, that's a rivalry in the making or, or just a recent rivalry where, you know, we won three out of the last four. You know, you can't go back and dig up the old horse of the previous seven, but we can talk about the last four. So now we know, you know, you're different. You're dealing with a different, you know, ball team. And so I think it's good for sports. Um, I wish it was a little bit more – distinct as far as rivalries and stuff like that. And, um, you know, guys are playing for, you know, more than just themselves. But ultimately, that's where we are, you know, today in, in sports. And uh, the teams that get it are generally the teams that win. And the players that get it are generally the players that are successful and so forth and so on.
0: We, in talking about that, that leads to dynasty talk please define for us if you would kind sir dynasty what defines a dynasty
1: yeah I don't know it, it, it you know it's it, it, it you know I think it's a little bit just how you look at it like you can look at you know some people look at it how many Super Bowls you win in a certain amount of years or you know like if you look at the NFL right now you look at or like look at Alabama, they've been a dynasty for a while. Clemson was, you know, pretty much a dynasty, you know, during their you know, four- or five-year run, you know, and obviously, you know, with Georgia here, you know, that could be a dynasty, a short dynasty. But a true dynasty is when you're looking at, like, the Patriots. You know, 20 years, they you know, two, two different decades of dominance. Or, um, you know, when Nebraska was really rolling. Or, the you know, the, the Kings, when they were really rolling. You know, those are dynasties. I think sometimes, dude, they get thrown around and used too, uh, too quickly and um it, it lessens the value but you know a team that might be on the cusp might be the Chiefs. you know where they've been you know in the AFC championship and you got two Super Bowls and they lost one you know is a dynasty you know it's probably in the making um and they definitely got to figure out how to play some good football and uh you know they're probably the closest right now they've been they've been the most consistent and they've been in a lot of ways obviously the most dominant and they've won a lot of big games and um you know, they're, they're constantly there. So, you know, when you think, you know, over the next, like, five or six years and, it's, and the Chiefs continue to be there two or three more times, you know, you're looking at seven out of ten last ten years. That, that's definitely a dynasty. And It's it's not predicated or directly tied to Super Bowl wins. It's, it's obviously, you know, being there in the hunt and, you know, being there and being on the cusp of winning, you know, NBA championships, Super Bowls, so forth and so on. And so, um, you know, I think dynasties can be, you know, individual as well. You can look at dominance. You know, obviously that Jordan, Kobe, LeBron. You know, all those great players. Uh, but then the teams. You know, you see very. You know, few, few, uh, few and far between. You know, just because of the dynamics of the sport these days, um, you don't get it as much.
0: Jay, is can you be a dynasty if in your era of dominance you're not the only team dominating in that sport? Case in point. In the 80s, Lakers, Celtics, was either of those teams, and I said either, of those teams, <laughs> a dynasty?
1: Oh, well, I mean, they both were there. So, it's just, I mean, they're two different uh, conferences. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see why there wouldn't. You know, you don't, it doesn't have to be pure dominance to be a dynasty. Um, so, I mean, they were there. I mean, it was every year it was the Lakers or the Celtics, one of the, one of the NBA championships, most likely. You know, Detroit. You know, through got up in there, and obviously the Bulls took it over from there, um, and then the Lakers. But yeah, that's it. I mean, to me, that's a dynasty. I mean, you know, what what, what two teams in that in that era, when obviously Magic and Bird directly tied to it, were, were, they weren't a dynasty? Like, uh, and, and I mean, I don't know. So I don't. I guess I, my question would be, how weren't they a dynasty? Like, what 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 qualifications didn't they meet? They won championships, and they always were in the hunt if they didn't win the championship, and better yet, they were the standard uh, that everybody was measured against and everybody knew on those two teams and those two franchises, they were preparing for each other. As hopefully, you know, like with the um, the Chiefs, you know, if you're going into this offseason, you better be figuring out how to beat the Chiefs, you know, because if you're trying to prepare for how to beat the Eagles or the Cowboys or, you know, a team that was kind of like, you know, hadn't won it, you know, you're preparing for the wrong reasons. And so that's where the you know, the dynasty goes is the team that you gotta measure against, the team that's consistently there, along with world championships, uh in, in either sport.
0: Georgia Bulldogs have won back to back championships. How many more right. wins do they have to have to be a dynasty?
1: Uh, I think if they get one more in the next like two or three years, it'll be interesting to see, you know. Um, you know, I think dynasties are generally, like, when I look at it, you know, they're you know, a little bit of, a, you know, portability or they, they've adapted as well, right? So, you, you know, I guess if you want to look at the Lakers and the Celtics back in the day, you know, um, the Lakers, when they won their first one, they were real running gun, right? And then they had to adjust to the Celtics because they had to get a little bit more physical. So then, therefore, they had to adjust on the defensive end, right? So then that was, like, their second part of their dynasty. And the Celtics had to do the exact opposite, right? They could beat you up and fundamentally you to death. You know, Larry Bird, you know, and they'll just kind of, you know, extra pass you to death. But then they had to get a little bit more pizzazz. And so then, therefore, they had to adjust their roster. And a couple guys that they get, they had, they had to be able to match up with the Lakers, right? So when you think of when they got Bill Walton and stuff like that, guys at the end of their career, well, when you got Robert Parrish, Bill Walton, now they're able to look at Michael Thompson and Kareem Bill jabbar Kurt Ramis, and Big Game James. Right in the eye versus all of them feasting on Robert Paris and Kevin McHale. So um, I think it's it, I think it also has to be where you're able to adapt because if you get a short two year run, a lot not like Georgia and this is not taking anything away from them. I mean, don't get you know don't get me wrong. But now the quarterback's gone. They've had two years of, or will have two years of, of plethora of guys drafted in 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 that. Are you still the dominant team without that quarterback? Are you still the dominant team without those without those dominant offensive linemen? Because you've had, you know, two or three recruiting classes where you've hit and they've been able to gel, injury free, but the quarterbacks that played at a high level, um, and you kind of hit, you know, you know, you hit a home run with with Seth and Bennett. What can you do when he's not there? And will you be a dominant? And that's where if, you, if they do it in the next year, you know, be two or three years. They're definitely in a dynasty in, in those, you know, five-year runs. I don't think you have to measure it anymore off of 10 years, like, you know, how we obviously measured the Patriots. It's two 10-year runs that were probably unprecedented in, in any sport. I think when you think of five to seven years, is it, probably good just because the turnover, not only in college football with the transfer portal, so forth and so on, the coaches leaving, you know, it seems like every year, whether you're losing coordinators or position coaches, but then also with the NFL, with the salary gap and the overblown um, salaries, will will lessen their ability to have, you know, dynasties for anything more than a five-, five to seven-year run.
0: We're on the road with Husker Hall of Famer Jay Foreman. Jay, we're talking dynasties. Who's next in the NBA, most likely out of these four? Bucks, Celtics, Warriors, Lakers. Who's the next likely dynasty?
1: Man, I don't think any of them. I think the Lakers. You know, you, you know, you'd think that they had their chance, but I think Anthony Davis did not take that, take that, you know, uh, torch, you know, from LeBron. That would have been a that would have been LeBron leading the way, Anthony Davis kind of taking over, then LeBron being more of a you know Robin to the Batman. But Anthony Davis, through health reasons, hasn't been able to do that. So I think that's affected them um, as, along with some other moves. Obviously, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook and, and and so forth, and blowing the team up that won a championship. So forth and so on. That's less than them. Now the, the Warriors, right? Well, so actually, let me let's skip over the Warriors. Because I want to come to them last. So then you think of the Bucks. I think the Bucks play a style that's probably the closest to be a dynasty because you have a superstar in his prime, a second tier superstar, in Middleton in his prime, and then uh, Holiday, who's maybe a third tier, probably lower end second tier superstar. Uh, I would say not maybe in his prime, but still like at his apex. And they're all want to be in Milwaukee, and they're all like salary cap functions. They're they're good along with all the other pieces there, and they'll consistently be there year in and year out. Might not be the flashes; they're probably out of all those teams. I would say the Bucks. Now, when you look at the Warriors, you actually have two sets of rosters that are fighting each other. You have the guys that have built up their first dynasty, right? Clay, Steph, Draymond. Um, and, and then you know the you know the pieces that you know kind of you know fit in there that are still around, but now you got Jordan Poole. And the thing about Jordan Poole, right? He can fill it up. He's you know he's he's a great free throw shooter down at the end of the game. But when he plays really really bad, he sucks out all the energy out of the team mm-hmm. just by how he plays because it's not really Golden State basketball. So I think their ability to have a second dynasty is over because not only are the, the, the bell cows or the old Lions aging out, the new Lions aren't willing to take the mantle or the torch that the old Lions have that set forth that is the winning, I guess, formula. I think last year was their last hurrah. They, you know, got some injuries. And, you know, obviously we keep talking about it. You know, the thing that happened in training camp with Draymond Green and Poole. Um, I think that really nullified it. And, and it's something that Draymond has to deal with, something that Poole maybe has to deal with as far as the he. You know, push it to that far. At the end of the day, you know, I think their their run as a dynasty is over. Even if they make a big run this year, next year that team in that organization is going to be totally different. Because on top of that, the guy that puts the whole you know ball you know had you know had you know all the pieces together, along with you know first hiring Steve Kerr and then you know letting everything come together. Uh, I think it's Bob Myers. He's not under contract, so he's almost like a lame duck GM. So, right there let you know that dynasty over because that is the figurehead that's okay with being out of the limelight, being gone, and then the rest is going to kind of trickle down. So, it'll be interesting to see what the, what the, what the Warriors look like next year.
0: Jay, from the text line, Tyler Human text line, Bubba, uh, Kelsey says this, uh, were the Spurs from 1999 to 2014, were they a dynasty?
1: Oh, uh, most definitely. I don't know how I think they what three or four championships. Five, um, five. My bad. Uh, yeah, that's definitely a dynasty, and they were a quiet dynasty. But uh, they they definitely were a dynasty. They were dominant. They were there every single time. And when when they lost in a championship type of moment, you were surprised. And then they had a second run, uh, you know, there when they you know battled the Heat and stuff like that. So. Uh, they were the standard and, and until they got beat,
0: and they changed the way basketball was being played. Uh, the Mount Rushmore of college football coaches, Jay Foreman, the Mount Rushmore of college football coaches. Who are your four of all time? Yep. Oh man, that's not even fair. <laughs>
1: um, that's, well, that's that's, well, that's why we ask
0: the, that's why asked. That's why we asked the Ivy League guy. Come on.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know about Ivy League. I, I wish I had a <laughs> list of guys. That list I could cheat and show you how I really got down to Ivy League wise. Um, Coach Osborne's on there. Uh-huh. I think for him, he's on there for sure. Yep. Um, Nick Saban for sure. Okay. Um, I never saw any of the teams of Bear Bryant, but I'm gonna put him on there. Okay. And then
0: here's the after one. That
1: man. It, there's, yeah. there's, there's there's one more. Um, I mean, I I really after that. I, you know, I, you can go Jimmy Johnson. You go, you, you know, you could do. I'm trying to think right now, just off the top of my head. Um, I, I really, I, Is you know, Jimmy I'm ahead of Urban? Is Jimmy
0: ahead of Urban?
1: Uh I, 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 I mean Urban. Yeah, I mean I guess I can put Urban. In there. I mean, what has he got? Two, three national championships. Uh, I, I, I don't. I probably put Jimmy. I, I. I don't think Urban's on the Mount Rushmore. You know. Uh, well, I mean. He's not the one of my four, but he's a dang near close. I mean, he's excellent in the college game.
0: Uh-huh.
1: He's probably more in the modern day Mount Rushmore. Uh-huh. Um, you know, especially with the, you know the things that he did, what he did at Florida, um, and just on pure coaching. You know, I'm gonna take. You, you know, i not gonna get into any of the personal business on that. He's definitely probably, yeah, Urban probably be there. Um, you know, you got three national championships. Two, you know, obviously two different places. Um, being there and, and, you know, one thing Urban has done is he changed he changed the landscape of the Big Ten, whether you like him, love him, or hate him, or indifferent. He changed the landscape of the Big Ten, you know, uh, you know, for a time period there for the better. Now it's up to, you know, whether it's Harbaugh, Day, you know, James Franklin, you know, Matt Rules, he changed the landscape of the Big Ten, you know, right now because Urban and his footprint is still here, but it's changed, right? There's a lot of turnover in the Big Ten as far as coaches. Coordinators and the players, and now you got to get back up to a national level to where you can can can't compete both in perception and in reality.
0: It uh, we were hit from the text on a couple of op- opinions and uh, and options Barry Switzer, Eddie Robinson.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's hey man, it's, it, it, you, you, it's a basket Robinson. I mean, when you're talking about those guys right there and the guys that I mentioned. I'm sure I mentioned, you know, a lot of, you know, you, you know, where the, you can't, you can't beat those guys. Even, uh, John, uh, was it Gigliari up there at St. John's? I think was, when he retired, he was the, one of the coaches in, in college football. I mean, I know they're division three, but I mean, you gotta think about winning national championship, championships at that type of clip. But it's all about, you know, the air that you've seen guys and what they've done. I'm big on longevity and the being able to adjust the game. Um, and do things and, and you know, you think of somebody I know he only had one national championship, but when you think about Bobby Ballard, you know what I mean, um, being on the Mount Rushmore. Probably not in the first like four or five. Um, but you know, he might not be on the whole side of the mountain, but he definitely he's on the one where you have a ridge, um, just to, you know, based on what he was able to do at Florida State and how he was able to win for that long of you know, you know, period of time. And so you know, there's a lot of great coaches, and, you know, I was fortunate enough, you know, before, you know, I get up here, I was fortunate enough when I went back and spoke to Minnesota, but able to see one of my coaches that I, you know, obviously know kept in contact with with high school. And, you know, coaching is a lost art, you know, in the sense of, you know, developing and, you know, believing in your players. And, you know, it was and far between when I was coming out of Minnesota. He was one of the ones that really, truly believed in me from the very beginning. Um, he spoke it into existence and he, you know, he probably pushed me, you know, probably to believe in myself more than I did initially. And, you know, when you see him and, and, you know, you're grateful, you know, grateful for those types of relationships, considering that, you know, I know we just, uh, the high school championships coming up and, you know, the relationship hopefully that these coaches are taking serious about with players that can help players become better. Um, because, you know, the days of coaches, um, Coaching all the players and doing what you know and calling colleges and, and getting all that stuff. Those days are gone, and for you know for the most part, for the most part. And so you know it, that's where you see the drop in, in the in the in the sport and the and the uh, development side on and off the court or field or whatever you're on. And that's where you separate the successful ones and um, and it's, you know still a relationship business all the way down to high school. I mean, I knew him or Coach Hannon, you know, since I was. Uh, you know, 16, 17 years old. Here I am, you know, 47. That's, a, you know, 31 years. That's probably, you know, a pretty long time to be in contact and uh, still love them to death.
0: Well, I'm glad you got to connect and reminisce. I kind of went through that a little bit this week and myself. Stopped by and uh, spent some time with some coaching buddies and some former teammates. Jay, travel safe, get off the road, and we'll holler at you again tomorrow. All right, Blair. That is Husker Hall of Famer, Jay Foreman. Thanks for, uh, you know, doing what he does. Uh, Austin, we got a few things. I mean, Bud Wilkinson's the name that came into play. Barry Switzer comes into play. Uh, Newt Rockney comes into play. Um, I jokingly said during a break, I I learned this over time. My nephew uh, graduated from the University of Alabama. Mm -hmm. And going to a game down there, what I knew to be true is if I really was angry at Alabama fans, I would do this thing. And I'll do that thing again when we come back from break.